I was so poor that my mum, <laughs> for some reason, right, my mum didn't qualify for the free lunch. Armed robber, in and out of prison. He's been he's been like jailed repeatedly. Long ass criminal record, right? For everything under the sun. Attempted murder. He's stabbed people. He's beaten them up. He's a, 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 an absolute maniac. Let's face it. You have severe emotional, mental, and physical damage. Lifelong damage and psychological scars, and you're now pouring mind-bending shit into the mix. Hey guys, welcome to another episode, and my guest today is David Rees. He's the founder and creative director of Planet Combo. If you don't know what Combo is, we're going to talk about it, but it's also a holistic detox service. They offer, they're running weekly groups of cleansing ceremonies in relaxed and serene environment using a balance of alternative healing exercises and indigenous tribal medicine. So we'll talk all about it. He also has other businesses. He is has a very interesting story, very eventful life, going from bankruptcy, homelessness, to building six-figure business and now serving others, so I'm very, very excited. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, yeah. I'm, um, I was looking forward to it. I tried some of the products you sent me, and they were very interesting, so... I'm, different, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very, very different. We're going to talk a little bit about that today yes. as well. But uh, I'd like to start from the beginning. Can you describe your childhood, where you were born, and how you were raised? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, where where to begin. This is such a a tangle of a story. This is like a tight jujitsu wrestle of an upbringing to get to the point where I'm at now. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as a a, a, a nice streamline ABC. This is a zigzag of uh, bouncing. You know, like a pinball. From one disaster to one complication to one upside down nightmare to another to get to the point where I'm sort of like sat in this point at or rather I'm sat in this seat at this point living to sort of tell the tale and I don't know to, to, it's it's such a I, I don't know again like you'll probably have to edit a lot of this part out because I'm a trying to think where to where maybe, to begin with this maybe but, i can help you because i have some notes here okay that, yeah, yeah that's part of my curiosity that's why i'm asking <laughs> this question and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read what i have here from from the team and you if it's not if they did not find it right then we'll edit it out but no, no. i uh it says um about your upbringing he was caught in a domestic crossfire and custodial <laughs> tug of war between a left-wing feminine mother who was intentionally trying to raise him to be a homosexual so she could appear <laughs> politically correct, yeah, and a lifelong unemployed father who are a musician, who are a busker. Is yeah. that correct? And if it's so, well. Yeah, like it, it sounds like the type of thing you can't write in that like, if in the afterlife or on the, in the before life, right? If there's like a green room, like yeah. a waiting room, yeah. I, I, I feel like, the creator tasked the the copywriters to be like, right, guys, you're staying up all night. Here's a load of caffeine. Here's a load of drugs. I want you to write up the most screwed up, dis 
disturbing history you can for a human being. And we'll just run with that. First draft, we'll just run with that. And it would just, you know, like, like, like you said, my, my old lady was, <laughs> where the begin, man? Like she, have you, have you seen the movie, right, about a boy? You haven't, right? It's a Hugh Grant movie, right? Okay. And there's a little boy and his mum is my mum. Or have you seen Malcolm in the Middle? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've, All right. I've got a bigger movies, I guess. Right. No, it's a TV show, right? So uh, both characters in, in these shows were very high-strung, narcissistic, maniac human beings, lunatics, right? Swinging from the chandeliers, crazy, right? Now, that's my mum. Wow. Right. Very, uh, where, how, how to describe it, but vegan, left wing. If, if Twitter was around in those days, she'd be a social justice warrior that argued with strangers on the internet. Wow. Right? She's one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. All about animal. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to like animal rights protests and, you know, like a, um, Greenpeace protests, save the whales, um, what else do you call it? Uh, like demonstrations, like big demonstrations. I'd be there in my pram with a big fucking like billboard saying like, you know, um, I don't stop taxes or, or save. Or <laughs> like just weird kind of political movements and going on these big protests and things. I was like in this weird vegan, like a diehard vegan, right? Like there was no meat in my house. Right, like until I was twenty-four, I'd never eaten meat. Okay, right? it was like the only meat in the house was cat food. Yeah, right? my mum was trying to make my cats vegan. Right, I, I kid you not. Right, it was like there was a point where she was trying to feed them. Oh, what was it called? Uh, taurine, tor, taurine, or taurine, or, or something. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's like this kind of like bullshit, like meat replacement, it's like like slop. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and it's just like, look, you're all about like being kind to animals, but this is cruelty. This is a fucking carnivore. Yeah, this this creature kills mice when you're not looking. Yeah. He goes outside and hunts birds, <laughs> right? And I know because I bring because he brings them back to me as like a gift. Yeah, right. But yeah, she was trying to like raise us to be vegan. Like the whole house was vegan, right? And it was up until I was like 24, I'd never eaten meat, and. I remember I was always like a really skinny kid, like always, as, as far back as I can remember. I was like the kid in school, could not stand up for him, uh, stand up for himself, stick thin, picked on, had like long hair as well, <laughs> like believe it or not. And those, those those of you who haven't seen me, I've got, I'm now uh, like a six foot tattooed skinhead. <laughs> and, yeah. and it is Pretty like, buff guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that is down to, like, diet and, I mean, we can get into it later if you want to talk about, like, horm sure. hormone replacement and stuff yeah. as well. But, yeah, that's a a game changer. It, it As soon as you get to the, the middle age mark, right, so I'm nearly 40. Wow, um, you look like you're 25. Uh, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take the compliment, you man. look like you had a meet yesterday, your first time. <laughs> no, no, I've uh, I've discovered the fountain of youth. And it is uh, HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. Okay. And Joe Rogan talks at length about it. And I got into it probably two years ago. And it has massively changed my life. 
Wow. Like incredible, like such an overnight difference. If I have to show you before and after photos of who I used to be versus the human being I am now, it is it, it's night and day, a complete one eighty difference in physical appearance, and uh, not not just the physical side of it. It's like once you optimize your hormone levels, you, it changes your personality. Right, it changes who you are, the way you stand, the way you hold yourself, your self-confidence, your, um, and like on a, an energetic or woo-woo level, right? When you, when you elevate testosterone levels, right? You, this, this part I can't quantify, right? There's no data to back this up. I can only talk from firsthand experience of what it feels like, right? But it's like, as soon as you optimize your testosterone levels, you radiate a 10 to 15 foot don't fuck with me radius <laughs> right like it like and it's not a deliberate thing like you um, it's not an intentional or deliberate um act or behavior it's just you grow a backbone from mm-hmm. it. like and you can't like it, it's completely subconscious and it's not something that I'm, i try to do but it has come as a side effect or a consequence, a positive one, of uh, living a very healthy lifestyle, um, upping my meat proteins. So going from being like a, a zero meat for 24, five years of my life to like, I mean, I, I virtually, um, I think on my macronutrients on my fitness pal app, my macronutrients now is I eat 50% animal protein of my entire net calories a day. Wow is just protein and that's lean meat uh tuna chicken breast sometimes uh steak or beef but that that's kind of it like it is a it's a very much the diet of a, a lone wolf or a carnivore yeah. or a single man like <laughs> if, if if like yourself if you have a a family and your children and you have you know social obligations it's you can't really stick to this sort of diet. Yeah. Right? It, it's just not practical, right? And I totally understand it. And there's a judgment from my part on anyone else who, who decides to live differently, right? Yeah. But it's like once once you've kind of uh, walked the other path in that, like I know what it feels like to have lived a, an, an I don't know if that's even a word, a, a disoptimized or an unoptimized lifestyle for an extended period of time. And I'm talking like decades. Yeah. Like not just like, oh, I, I was unhealthy for two weeks. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, try 25 years. Wow. 25 years of, of being like stick thin, malnourished, uh, unable to gain any size or weight and being pushed around, uh, maybe not deliberately, but as a consequence of being a, a fragile looking male, uh, to, to be specific, you end up just being at the bottom of the food chain for a lot of things just because of the way the social structure is, uh, is or, or the social hierarchy is structured, right? It's like you walk in, into any room and if you don't command presence through no deliberate act, if you don't, if, if you're not, uh, if you don't have much presence, then you're going to fall uh, quite quite far back on everything from like the the career ladder to the dating pool 
to your, you know, and just your bank balance. Every, everything is all connected. Is is being that suboptimal person has you know suboptimal results across the board, right? It, it's not a you can't pick and choose one thing. It, this is a this is a onesie. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is a one size fits all. You know, life sentence unless you address things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, mean, I know I've strayed from the point here, but it is like coming back to like childhood. It is like that's that's the roots of it all. Like that's where it begins. It begins with in like bad parenting, like really a bad, inappropriate, uh, uneducated, undisciplined parents that haven't got their own lives together that think the solution to a, uh, an inadequate life is to re- it's to reproduce and repopulate and put more human beings put children into the equation to try and fill a void right and sadly i was the first of three yeah i was the first of three brothers so i brought I bore the the kind of the brunt, the worst of the. Uh, you know, I, I was first into the trenches. Yeah. Right? So it's like you're like experiment. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I'm a September baby, so like God only knows what my uh, what my old lady was up to on New Year's Eve. But um, yeah, like well, like my mum, she was that type of person. My dad was a, a career unemployed bum, and I mean, like he was a, a busker, a and, and for those of you who don't, to describe this guy, right, is like, he was one of the guys in the middle of the city. Like, I remember when I was probably like two or three years old, like walking through the center of Swansea on, you know, like with with my mum. And she'd be like, look, there's your dad. And he'd be in the middle of fucking Swansea on his own. And he's a one-man band, right? And if you've ever seen, Google one-man band, right? And this is a dude with like tambourines between his between his knees, a drum kit on his back, a kazoo, a fucking tambourine on his hat on his head, guitar, bells on his elbows, right? And he's wow. you know it's just singing, and it's the type of thing like I don't know if you were to see it now, it's just like oh, dude, shut up, please be quiet. This noisy racket of a human being in the middle of in the middle of the city, essentially begging for money at the top of his voice with an instrument is what that is right and yeah so i mean that was the that was the gene pool that i was born out of right so immediately you can see like if that's your starting point of childhood or, or even even like genetically if that's your starting point then you you are born into a financial crater right is like there's no pocket money there's no uh there was no food for a long time right i was one of those kids at school you know those little like i don't know if you have them uh ukraine do you say latvia Latvia. sorry Sorry. (laughs) um but we in wales we have like these little orange dinner tickets right it's a little fucking paper thing from the school and it's if if the poor kids you can always spot the poor kids because they got the little orange dinner tickets right and that gives you like one free lunch in school right I was so poor that my mum, for some reason, right, my mum didn't qualify for the free lunch, right? It was like she was so, like, unequipped with with her finances, with her bookkeeping, with keeping forms and letters, 
that we didn't even we couldn't even do that so it was like most of the time i was hungry right so i i was the kid in school who had like secondhand clothes long fucking scruffy hair i remember like being in assembly and picking the fleas right off my clothes right like we had we had dogs and cats and shit at our, at our house i remember like sitting there and feeling like the fleas biting me as I'm sat in fucking assembly, right? And I'm picking the fuck... And if you've ever, like... It's quite a satisfying thing, right? So if you fucking... <laughs> if you pick off a flea, you can, like, pop it between your between your thumbnails, right? And I remember just sitting there, like, bursting the fleas off my fucking second-hand clothes, right? So, to... That's, that's the financial side of it, right? Yeah. So, as you can see, not off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> to, to say the least. Um, but then there's, a, like, the... The other sort of like more disturbing layer then of uh, to to like weave into this story is uh, where where to begin is um, so my my mum got involved with at, at a very early age like from my part like I was the first son so sooner after I was born she got involved with. A convicted armed robber who was part of um we we suspect he was part of the ira so i don't know if if many people know what that is but it's like the irish mafia oh wow. right so it's like this guy was you know heavy duty in with like big hard tough career criminals right this guy was you know armed robber in and out of prison he's been he's been like jailed repeatedly long ass criminal record right for everything under the sun attempted murder he's stabbed people he's beaten them up he's a, 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 an absolute uh, maniac right he is a convicted fucking lunatic now when she, for for whatever reason, right, and to this day, I still hate. I, uh, again, I'm, I'm revealing a lot about myself here, right? And I may tear up throughout this. Just FYI, right? So, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, she took a soft spot to this character, right? As in that, like, she, I, I still to this day do. I find it unbelievable how certain certain women are attracted to maniacs I, and you like you hear about this stuff you know how like uh let's say a, a convicted murderer someone's on trial you know like who's killed a thousand women right yeah and then he will have a fan mail yeah. from from women who are sending them sending him naked photos of them and stuff while he's on trial right yeah. Like it defies logic, <laughs> yeah. right? It, to, to 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 the average rational male, you just go, that is lunacy, yeah. right? But for whatever reason, women are d- deeply attracted to psychopaths, yeah. right? Now my mum was no different, and for whatever reason, she got involved with this guy and had, uh, I, I mean, a lot a lot of what I'm going to speak about, I have no memory of, so I'm. I suffer from uh, type two or complex PTSD, right? And for to to put that in context, it's like PTSD is a sliding spectrum, and on the lower end of it, you have sort of like type one, and that shock trauma or isolated traumatic events, and that could be car crashes, earthquakes, gunshots, 
explosions. One thing that happened, maybe two. Right? Maybe you you crashed a car, you fell out, and then the car exploded. Right? That that maybe would count as two, because there was two traumas. Right? You crashed the car, you fell out of it, then seconds later it exploded and re-traumatized you. Right? That, that still technically that that that's maybe still type one, but that's that's on the uh, quote unquote lower end of the spectrum, right? Then you have type two, which is repeated trauma that can last anything from months to years, and this is like hostage situations or torture situations, right? You know, like Guantanamo Bay, you know, someone who's been kidnapped by you know. Latin gangsters and tied up and traumatized, uh, you know, and, and burnt alive and stuff for like weeks on end, right? It's like then you have that that sort of repeated trauma, right? Uh, I'm in that group, right? So I'm I'm on the the furthest end in the one percent of PTSD type two survivors. Wow. Uh, when so I have a a therapist, right? So this is a guy who's he's a specialist and he works for the dutch military and he he treats the troops that come back from afghanistan and iraq all the dutch military all of all the uh, all the survivors all, and this is troops that have been blown in half right guys that don't have legs guys that don't have arms guys that have lost both their eyes right he he deals with like the severe cases of type 1 trauma right so this is a guy that I met at an ayahuasca ceremony um, five, no, longer than that, maybe 10 years ago. And he was just a guy who just, just fortunately seemed to be in the same room as me. And he recognized, you know, I was, you do like a group share and I was talking at length about, you know, my past and that sort of thing. And during the break, he came up to me and we had a, we had a chat and I've been working with him since. And he was saying like, so out of, all the people that he's treated, he's like, the PTSD you have is still in the top five worst that he's seen, right? So what I'm working through, like the, the layers of compounding trauma, right, that must have happened at a very early age, I have been blocked out. And I, I mean, probably for good reason, like I have, I, I can talk fairly candidly about it because I can't remember it. It's like I'm talking about someone else because it happened so long, you know, this is nearly 35, well, 36, 37 years ago. And, you know, it, and most people can't remember what happened to them when they were two. Try and remember Christmas when you were like two years old. Like, you're like it's, it didn't happen. Really. I, I have a, a three-year-old, so, so I yeah, don't exactly so, Yeah, that. dude, so you could literally buy them. Yeah, year. yeah, just don't buy them any birthdays, any Christmas presents. They won't <laughs> realize, right? You could get away with this for years, right? So what happened when I was very young, I still don't know the full story, right? That, that's the God's honest truth. I, I still, to this day, even though I've been through years of therapy and deep hypnosis, I'm still kind of unclear of exactly what went down. All I know is like the the symptoms or the severity of the PTSD I have is so severe it must it must have been some dark shit. Right? Yeah. That's that's all I know, right? I have isolated memories of like um and it, this is hard to describe, but they're almost like 
photographs. Like, it isn't a memory, right? Like, it, this is just like a freeze frame, a glitch, like a, one, one screenshot of a movie, and it has no emotion attached to it. But that that's a scene that I remember from when I was probably three or four. And it, I remember being sat on the staircase. Uh, yeah, I remember, or, or rather, like, I don't remember sitting on the staircase. I just remember, like, the the... The the viewpoint of of the camera that took this kind of quote unquote mental image was taken from the the staircase, and um, the staircase was positioned immediately behind the front door of of the terraced house that we lived in. So this is like a a kind of council area. So all the houses are. You know, uh, uh, joined uh, side by side. So this is like long rows of like concrete houses, right? Okay. And I remember being sat on the staircase and looking at the do- the front door. And this is probably I don't know. It must be in like three a.m. or something. And this I don't know what you want to call him. The <laughs> this this IRA lunatic, right? Was kind of like. Had had lifted up the letterbox with a machete, right? And he was looking, and we made eye contact, and we were looking at each other through the letterbox. And I just remember him kind of yelling, although I can't remember the words. I, I remember there was a there was a dialogue, there was a yelling. This guy was like drunk. He'd come out back from the pub, and he he was like, and he was trying to like kick that. And luckily, these were thick doors, right? And the only reason I'm alive is he couldn't kick down the door, right? He was too, he was too drunk to kick the door in, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he was, like, looking at me, eyeballing me through the fucking letterbox with a fucking, like, a 12-inch blade. And he was, t- he was describing, he was like, when I get in there, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to you, right? He was like, I'm, so I'm sat there, and I must have been just frozen. Right? I was like, I'm moments away from getting skinned alive. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm... I'm this is it. There's no one to protect me. My mum sure as shit ain't going to do nothing in the front room. Right? So I'm sat there face to face with certain death. But that that's all I remember is yeah. that one photograph. And then that that's it. As far as like traumatizing events, that's like the worst one I remember. But I know that that incident didn't happen once. That happened regularly. <laughs> like you're like yeah, yeah. you like you used to all the time. You used to break in our house. Like you used to climb over the back wall and fucking kick the back door in, and you know break in with his friends and big dogs and shit. And there'd be a gang in our house, and there'd be like hostage situations and shit, right? Yeah, right. So it's like that. I mean, I can't remember any of this, and I'm talking about it as if I've watched a movie. That that's the only way I can describe it, right? It's like this is someone else's story almost, right? It's like I have such a detachment from it. It almost didn't happen. That's your mental sort of safety switch, yeah. right? Is detachment, right? So you have fight, flight, or freeze, right? And that's when you're in freeze mode. That that's what like rabbits do. Yeah. You know, like like if yeah. a ma- if a magician is going to pull a rabbit out of a hat, the reason they use a rabbit is because it freezes. Yeah, right? it it doesn't it can't do anything else. It's got no natural uh, weaponry to fight fight off an attacker. It just freezes. Hope they don't see you. Poor um, rabbit. Yes. And so I had unknowingly gone into freeze reaction repeatedly, right? So when you put in freeze reaction, 
your your central nervous system it almost like fills with super glue right if you think of it that way right fight or flight which is a cocktail of adrenaline cortisol there's you know there's a cocktail of different you know explosive hormones that are released right and when you can't escape right for or, or this could happen if you were pinned under something if there was an earthquake and rubble fell on you right and you cannot escape those all all that energy freezes into your nervous system right and you're paralyzed right and that energy the only way like that's what PTSD is is the trapped fight or flight energy inside the nervous system so another way of thinking about it is if you were to get a a can of coke or a bottle of coke right and you were to shake it as hard as you can for hours on end right and fill it and and just leave it right unopened you got to think the pressure that is built up inside that coke is what PTSD is yes. right it's that pressure internally that can't escape and that pressure causes downstream negative health problems it causes havoc to yeah. all the other parts of 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 your body right but that's that's kind of what PTSD is and that's the what I'm dealing with and the way to heal PTSD right it, it's not an overnight thing but i mean this kind of segues nicely into the Campbell operation we're running and power medicines and holistic healing and rape and trauma release exercise which the way the way you unbottle that kind of energetic sewage that's trapped inside you is one modality is i'm sure you know if you've been to any ayahuasca ceremony they have buckets there right yeah. purging purging yeah. purging your body's whenever your body is trying to cleanse itself it goes through the exit points right so that's going to be down south right and up north right so you are just just like you are retching from your balls up getting the garbage out right and for a lot of people and anyone going into power medicines will probably agree that you know most healthy people with a good head on their shoulders don't need to right they they have no desire to kind of tiptoe into that world unless they're just psychonauts that like you know they like tripping balls and seeing the afterlife right uh which is fun as well right like admittedly there there is a spectator sport nuss about it that that most people enjoy but a lot of people who get into that are more they've got they got demons that they need to exercise when i started using ayahuasca and power medicines it was to begin releasing like i didn't know i had ptsd for 30 years there was no name for what i had all i knew was like why am i a drug addict why am i obsessed right with suicide could not my whole life i've been suicidal i really? I've, i've never understood it like i have dreams about it i i fantasize about it all day i i have been so close to suicide more times than i can count i it's and and for extended periods of time like the, you know years and years and years on end like decades on end it is a black cloud that follows me that i can't outrun and the only way or rather the only reason i've never gone through with it was <laughs> like and this this is literally the only reason that that i haven't uh, acted on it was 10 years ago I I just I started getting into Hinduism 
and a friend of mine who teaches kind of spiritual dogma and stuff, she was saying, look, if you were to check out early, what if it doesn't end? Right? She was like, what if that's not the end? What if that's the beginning of a new nightmare? Right? And I was like, oh, oh we are, all right, keep talking. <laughs> and she was saying, you know, karmically speaking, right, it's the reason you've incarnated is your soul in previous lifetimes has racked up some karmic debt with the casino. Yeah. Right? You, you have misbehaved in previous lifetimes, so much so that you have been dealt these cards. Right? To, to break your contract early now gets you further in debt. Yeah. Right? And it, it, it's, it's a different lens to look at it on, right? From one lens is, and this is, I, I used to view it this way for, up until like a couple of years ago, it was like, there's a victim lens, right? I'm not to blame. This is some wild cards that happened to me. How dare they? Blah, 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 right? And you can keep going with that, with that for years on end, and you'll never come to any peace or resolution, right? But the other way to look at it is to assume, and this is not easy to do, right? This is a very bitter swill to, a pill to swallow, but is to look at the situation, the 10,000-foot view of your life, right, and assume responsibility and ownership for the cards you've been dealt, right? And that's that you have to have a, a higher belief in something bigger than where we're at for for this for this to hold true right because otherwise you know you get into nihilism and you know everything's black and white and binary and if you check out early then no big deal you know then it's just hit reset on the on the computer game right but the other way around is i must have in previous lifetimes seriously screwed up to be dealt this hand right and I know there are people far worse off than me. Right? I, like I'm fully aware. I'm, I'm not like I'm not trying to sit here and over dramatize my life story or sit here with a violin and feel sorry for myself. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like there's there are people way worse off in shitter situations than me. Yeah. Right? Throughout history, right? Th- historically speaking, like I, 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 I'm not that bad. Right? Let's let's face it. Right? It's like all right, you know you. Crummy childhood, but look, man, look around you. You live in Bali. You've escaped the matrix of nine to five. You've got a cool company. You're kind of living what what most would describe these days as a quote unquote sort of you know semi successful uh, existence, right? It's like look, you, you're kind of you, you're beating the casino, right? Like right now, you're you're out. You've removed yourself from the rat race, right? So from that perspective, it's like oh, you know I can't complain too much yeah. right but coming back to the the karmic point is like assuming absolute ownership or, or uh, not ownership that that would i don't know if that's the right way of describing it but re- accountability accountability responsibility like it, it is it is not my fault for anything that may or may not have occurred before i was born Right. I can't change that. Yeah. However, now it is my responsibility to see this through. Right. So it's like I'm nearly forty, probably past the halfway point. I'm past the worst of it. 
right? The, the, the kind of the serious shit part, I'm kind of over the hump, yeah. right? That, that's in the past. So now it's my responsibility to make, like a good, a good quote is like, the best revenge is living well. Yeah. It's like, how can you, alchem- how, how can you turn, that, turn that shit and turn it into sugar? How can you alchemize a negative situation and turn it into a positive outcome or a positive result or something that you can leave behind? Like, like, cause once you, once you have a belief in a higher power or a more macro existence, then you, you think of life almost like weaving in and out of it. Right. So I'm right now I'm weaving into life and in order to weave out of it and from a Hindu perspective, ultimately the goal is you don't want to be constantly weaving in and out, right? You want to break the karmic cycle and not have to incarnate again, right? Like the aim of the game of life is to not come back, not to rack up good karma points so I can come back and be a millionaire or a rock star. It's like what you want to do is clear so much karmic debt that you have no reason to come back. It's like, dude, my work is done. I am out of this bitch, man. So like, I have a question. Dude. I think, <laughs> I think it's very inspiring that again, yes, you are living in Bali. Mm. You've been for a lot, but you were able to. I guess most of the people are not able to break that loop. You were able to break that loop. So there are people listening who might be realizing that yeah, they are dealt similar hands, mm. and they don't know how to get out of it. So what lessons or some things that you're taking with you now not to ever go back or if you could let's say i don't know summarize it into something that i would do this and this helped me to get out what would they be it's a trick you want to say like to get out of because i've i personally don't feel like i'm out of it i'm not clear of the woods in that like i can't pinpoint a nice concise soundbite or a three-point system or a do a b and c and you will get out of this like it's not it's not as simple as to condense it into a nice instagram quote right it's it's yep. it's quite it's quite difficult to, to 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 pinpoint but that's because i'm in terms of like pts it depends what aspect of life you're looking at if we're talking about purely the business side which like i'm happy to talk at length about right if if we want to exclusively talk about business i'm happy to do that right but it's like to get out of the ptsd greater right like this this is a like think of it like a valley so deep of karmic deficit that it will likely take me personally, it's likely going to take me till for the rest of my life, I'll be working on different parts of this to heal and help become a more functional human being, right? For this, sure. is, this is a lifelong quest. Um, but to have some sort of... I, I would put it that way. Like for somebody who, let's say, struggling with PTSD, suicidal thoughts, and they don't see the way out, what would be something that they can look into? How can they start? Because I think importantly is to start to just like say, okay, I mm. might get a therapist or I might do a session with a plant medicine or I might do that. So what would be something uh, that they could start with? Yeah, good question. So I'd say, so the way I'm interpreting this question is like I'm giving advice to myself when I was yes. 30. Right? It's yes. like if I if I had a time machine and I could exactly. go back and I'd just sit down with myself and I'd say, right, mate, let's try and like cut a few years off the learning curve here 
and let's 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 give you some practical uh, steps or milestones to aim for, right? Okay. So I would say, all right, mate, sit down, get a cup of tea. This is <laughs> this is not going to be fun. Right, that that's how I would, I would sort of like. I would, I would begin to, to I would begin the conversation. I'm like, listen, this isn't going to be nice. What you're about to go through, right? Is like what you're about to go through is going to push you to the, quite literally the edge of a cliff repeatedly, right? But in doing so, you are developing, a, a, I suppose a a mental and a mental skill set that is going to not only heal, help heal PTSD, but well, this will have a knock-on effect in other areas of life, like finances, business, entrepreneurship. Like, you know, what you're doing here isn't uh, isn't like one swim lane, right? This yep. skill set is going to bleed over into other things, right? So there's that, that's the good side of this, right? But to, to answer the question and say, like, right, let's begin, which is what I did was went to a therapist, uh, to begin with, and this was a local guy in Swansea that wasn't any good at all, to be honest. But he, if anything, I learned from that. It, like when I first went in there, he started speaking about childhood, right? And I didn't know why. I thought, what the hell has that got to do with any of my problems? Yeah. Like I was that dumb to it, right? I was that ill informed. I was like, why would my childhood have anything to do? with all the anxiety and the suicidal and the drug problems and the, the, the problems with addiction and everything I have, how is that related to childhood, right? Like, I didn't know. But that's a good place to start, right? Go into therapy and just start kind of beginning to prise open the the, 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 you know, the Pandora's box. Let's just start there, right? Next is, and this depends, right? This depends on how... If I'm speaking to myself, I'd say, right, you're about to jump in the deep end and go into psychedelics, right? This this can have enormous, life-changing, devastating, in fact, negative effects, right? You are messing with the spirit world, and that... Jordan Peterson said this is a, like... That what we don't know about psychedelics is a very, very thick book, right? Yeah. You are messing with, like, Ouija board shit, black magic. You have no fucking clue what you're consuming, right? As a human being like you that has, like, let's face it, you have severe emotional, mental, and physical damage, lifelong damage, and psychological scars, and you're now pouring mind-bending shit into the mix, right? Yeah. It's like, this isn't a good cocktail, right? <laughs> Let's face it, right? Yeah. And I I went on like a three-year rampage with ayahuasca. And to begin with, I thought it was great. Like, I felt better. But every time you take ayahuasca, it's almost like mining, right? You go one level deeper, yeah. right? And over the years, I sort of go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I started to remember a bit more and more and more about my past until I remember like once um, I went to a retreat in, where was it? It was in Brazil. It was about four hours in the jungle outside uh, Rio. And, and yeah, there, there was this big ass retreat, 40 something people there. 
and I, it was like, I think it was like a nine or an 11 day solid retreat, right? Back to back ceremonies, drinking it three, three, four times a day for wow. solidly, right? So this was like, you're in the same way, imagine like 11 days in a free bar. Yeah. Alcohol, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like drink as much as you like, man. Just you can have shots, you can have beers, you can have Jaeger bombs, what you want, right? It was like that with psychedelics. So I'm in the rainforest, four hours away from any sort of like running water or electricity, right? This is like complete isolation. This is like being in like the middle of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Right? There are tarantulas and scorpions and monkeys and spiders and snakes and all kinds of shit, right? right? So I am completely isolated from the fucking world and I'm drinking the most potent hallucinogen that exists on this planet. Right? It is the most yeah, mind-altering shit that you can even imagine. Now, a few days into it, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, right? It's like, yeah, I'm purging, I'm feeling better. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then one day I... I'm drinking it at the ceremony and just memory starts flooding back, right? And it's still to this day, I don't know how much of this is real and how much of this is hallucination. Uh, I don't know, but there were memories of sexual abuse and I was not prepared for that. And I, to, <laughs> as you can imagine, as being a, an undisciplined young man, with you know who's essentially drunk on psychedelics right you know like drinking a bottle of tequila drunk right like you're pissing yourself and throwing up and like like that but on the most potent uh, like trippy shit you can imagine now i'm seeing stuff of like sexual abuse in, in my in my head and as you can imagine i don't take it well and I freak out, screaming, crying, and you know, threatening, and you know, everyone. Like you got to think, like most ayahuasca retreats, are you you have your odd nutcase there. Right? Yeah, yeah. But usually people yeah. lie down. Yeah, yeah, you always have like the the outlier there who's had a bit too much, who's maybe crying and screaming a bit too much, right? Well, I was that guy on steroids, right? I was out of control totally lost my shit i was planning like i literally I, I planned in my head at length a very detailed plan of how to murder this human being when i when i got back i was like right i've and i'd already accepted i was like okay life in prison that's that's what this is i I'd, I'd made the decision while i was there i was like that if what i'm seeing in my head is true then that's a death sentence. As far as I was concerned, I was like, that's it. Game over, right? I was like, I, I don't care about the consequences for me personally. I was like, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. I'll go to prison. I'll do my time, right? I was like, that's it. But if that's real, what happened, then that, uh, not even just for me, I think, like, rationally, you know, as a father, it's like, if you suspected anything like that happened, you know, God forbid, happened to your children, like you just think of the bloodthirst, the, like the that that human nature that would that would kick in to protect and for justice, right? It's like it's that you, you can't, you know, some caveman shit, right? Like you can't tame that, right? 
So that that kind of consumed my life for a long time, like a long, long time. And I went, I was in therapy for a, thankfully, thank, I mean, thank fuck, right? Like I did not go through with it. <laughs> but I came close. Like I came very, very, very close, man. Um, but like only because of, I suppose there was a bit of luck involved, meeting the right people, the right therapists, having the right support around me where I got, I suppose, talked, not talked out of it, but just in the same way that I suppose a matador allows a bull to kind of run through the red flag and not hurt it. Well, sometimes I do hurt it, but, you know, they, they, or like judo, where you use someone's own strength to put them down. It's like, you know, using a bit of, uh, you know, social and therapeutic uh, judo. They were able to kind of talk me out of doing any uh, doing anything that was going to destroy the rest of my life. And that, I mean, it, it's still something that I, I if, if I've put my hand on my heart, I still don't know for sure what happened right but i still have those memories and it's it is it is a very difficult um balancing act right it is a very diff difficult balancing act in that like how to have thoughts and memories like that in your head but teaching yourself the discipline to not react right like this is a if anything like this this entire process of or the, this lifetime has been like how to detach from it it's like non-attachment to how to observe situations but not react right this is like yeah. the high level stoic exercise how to 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 observe but not engage yeah. right in, in the same way right so uh, an, another therapist uh, give me a little technique which is uh, if if you saw like a black cloud on the horizon thunderstorm lightning right approaching you can either get angry and curse the sky or you can like go indoors and just watch it pass yeah. right and it's like so you just have to have the the mental fortitude to be able to sit in extreme distress without reacting yeah. right so <laughs> and it's very easier said than done but to be able to have haunting imagery in your mind and not get angry yeah. right it, it is to it is the ultimate test of it is the ultimate test of willpower mental strength backbone and i i, I think this is the ultimate test of manhood to be able to to be able to 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 take that that scenario and to just observe it to literally just observe don't engage like there you know in the same way you, to watch a to watch an unpleasant documentary or to watch war footage you can either like curse at the characters within the scenario yeah. or you can try and look at it as as colors on a screen for right. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's like it's that one level removed of like 
Look at the detail on this scenario. Look how vivid it is. Look at the colors. Look at like it's like just trying to abstract it a little. So it's it's that kind of detachment from it. But I mean that that skill set of being able to do that. And I've I've read up on this as well, right? So like, this isn't like just me kind of uh, getting too far into the therapeutic stuff, but it's at when you're when you're traumatized, especially at a very young age, you your 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 mind and your body's natural kind of knee jerk reflex to protect yourself from anything too disturbing. Is dissociation right? So this is why you think like things like amnesia, um, yeah, complete blockage, right? You're like blackouts of like most of my life. Like I'm talking, I can't remember up until I was like seven. Right? Okay. It's just like darkness, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, life sort of kicked in around you know seven or eight, and I was like, anything before that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, can't uh, like I can't really remember it. But when when you're for like when you're at a young age and something like that happens, right? It doesn't, it's not just association, right? It's like your brain teaches itself a very unique trick, right? That only traumatized people can do, right? And it's like wild, vivid imagination. Yeah. Like, it's like you go to your happy place. Yeah, yeah, right? wow. <laughs> It's like you can, you can only achieve that by putting yourself through something deeply unpleasant, right? So one of the, benefits i guess of experiencing uh stuff like that is i have the most far-fetched wildest photoreal cinema quality 3ds max visual imagination that's it like i'm talking leonardo da vinci caliber dreamlike lucid visionary in my head like i cannot switch this off right it is the most surreal, like it is like if you've ever seen videos of augmented reality, you know, like people who put on the Oculus Rift and they're in the room, but then there's like 3D cinemas and there's buttons and holograms and you know, there's like naked chicks walking around, <laughs> there's all kinds of shit happening in the room, right? It's like that's how reality is for me, right? I see every, I, I, I have different layers of video holograms that are intersecting my reality. 24 hours a day, right? It's like, I, I see, but it's like, I have the ability to not only just visualize, let's say like, I'm in this room, and I'm like, okay, this room needs decorating. The feng shui is not right in here. Inside my head is like, you know, those like 3D renders that architects have, yeah. where they rebuild a room, like those Ikea adverts, where they go, yeah. like, I can do that in my head right now. Right, this entire room I can turn inside out and change the colors. I can put chandeliers in here. Like that, like this whole room can totally change. Right, so the the visual imagination that you, that I've developed because of this past has made me exceptionally gifted at my job, at my profession, and my career. Right, it, it's had it. It has definitely separated me from the the majority of people that I've ever met right in that like uh, most people cannot visualize to the level that I'm able to right and I'm not just talking like yeah I can visualize websites and branding and packaging and you know this is why like a lot of our 
the the planet camel stuff visually looks quite appealing you know it, it's it's, nice. it's it's separate yeah. you know it stands out a lot from anything else that's on the market and the the reason for that uh is you know an extensive career in the creative industry so i've worked for a lot of ad agencies i've done a lot of freelancing i've worked for uh big clients i work for red bull i've worked for banks uh, you know bank of america uh i work for a company called london real which is a big podcasting uh platform on youtube and i think that was what kind of changed like my it took it took the skill set I have, which is heavily visual, which is mostly the creative side, and it added a layer of professionalism. And it's like if you imagine the dynamic within any corporation, right? You have a visionary, and you have um, and you have an operator, yeah. right? And you have the visionary that is the, he's the creative genius. He's driving the you know he's sailing the ship. He's taking it. To lands, yeah. you know, like he's the Columbus of it, right? Then you have the operator, who is the guy on the ground. He's the guy organizing the troops, setting the day to day, putting in, you know, plumbing in all the strategy, all the operational side, all the the systems within the business. He's the guy operating that, right? So when I worked for London Real, I I was already exceptional at the creative stuff, but I was always broke. Right, so you like think how many talented broke people there are, yeah. painters, artists, singers, dancers, yo- sure. yoga people. Like you, Uber is full of them. Yes, <laughs> this is a place of yeah. a lot of broke, talented yeah. people. Like highly talented people, and you look at their work, and you're like, bloody hell, man, that is fucking incredible. Yeah. How did you do that? Right, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, yeah, I just love doing it. But what they lack from, or what what they have in creative output, they lack from an operational execution point. Right, is like they lack business, uh, like they they lack a business plumbing. That 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 it, it, it's it's a yin and yang, right? You in order to have any sort of success with a company or a business, or even if you're a solopreneur, right? If you just want to be a a, a a coach, right? Even if you're not a, a gifted artist, right? But you are an exceptional life coach or you're a therapist or you know fill in the blank it's like you also have to have the flip side of it which is how to run a business right how to have a financial discipline how to run the operational side of managing a team uh, how, how, how to do project management how to yeah. manage deadlines how uh, if you're in the e-commerce space it's like right you're really in the deep end now yes it's like like and i'm sure you know right yes. it's like once you get into the e-commerce space, then you're managing like huge amount of inventory, logis- global logistics, global shipping, uh, global import export laws, tax, right? The fucking customs, dude. Like the, customer the, support, customer <laughs> support. You need VAs. You need packaging out people. Yeah, branding, it, it, everything. Mayhem. Yeah, if you learn how to do that, you can do any other business. Any right, but. The, the Planet Cambo, as it stands, as anyone listening to this or, was, you know, they're still listening now, any, anyone who's, who's familiar with uh, the company and the brand and the service is like, it is a Cambo training operation, right? It's like we teach 
Campbell practitioner. Can you describe, let's, let's back yeah. up a little bit because I don't think many people know what's Campbell. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about what, what maybe a couple sentences, what is Campbell? Campbell is the medicine of the polymedusa frog that comes from the South American Amazon jungle, right? It is a, it's almost like the sunscreen that a frog produces, right? Yeah. So a frog is in the jungle and to stop it getting burnt, yeah. it produces like this frog slime, right? Yeah. Frog snot, yeah. right? And what the indigenous do, all the tribes do, is they'll collect a frog from the tree and like the frog isn't harmed, uh, it's not hurt. What they do is they tie the frog up by its legs. It doesn't look that nice. Don't Google. <laughs> don't Google Cambo. Frog um, is not harm. Yeah, just yeah. Tying the the frog is, up. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not. It's not a nice thing to look at. Right? It's worse than it actually is. Right. But they tie the frog up, and they just with a little stick they'll scrape the frog snot off its back. Right. That frog slime you can buy on little sticks, right? and we import it. And you just buy like the frog, the dry frog resin. And we import it, right? And it's completely legal. It is a cocktail of peptides that when you apply it topically to the skin, right, it works through the lymphatic system and it triggers, in the same way ayahuasca uh, triggers a, a, a flush, right? You, you, know, you always have a bucket um, at ayahuasca ceremonies and that's because your body is cleansing itself, right? Campbell does the same thing, but without the psychedelics, right? To, to, to put it as a... Uh, uh, to rem- oh, how can I put it? To remove the the legal aspect of it, right? The, or to remove the illegal aspect of it is a like Cambo is purely the physical purge part, yeah. right? If if you had to Think describe things it, you don't like, <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's it's only Cambo is only the unpleasant side, right? <laughs> it is a tough sell. It's a good advertising. Right? Yeah. And, no, but that's the thing. It's like when I'm. When I'm describing it to people, people always looks like, you know, you're not doing a good job of selling it. And what I was trying to say is, I'm not trying to sell it. It's like, don't do it. Like, honestly, like, for the majority of people, this ain't for you. Like, I know, because this is, I, I did many things, but this is one of the things I'm very hesitant to do. Yeah. I know many people who did it. And also, how it's applied is also very interesting. Yeah, so yeah. you apply it to the, you do like a marks on your... Yeah. Uh, yeah, can, I mean, can you describe how do you apply it? Okay, so the way it's applied to the skin, like you don't just put it on the skin and it absorbs. What you do is you take a an incense stick, and if you burn it, you take off the top layer derma skin uh, f- from anywhere anywhere really on the body. Mainly, men do it on the arms. Women usually uh, take on the legs, right? But that's you can take it anywhere. You can take it on, the, on your neck, on your chest, on your back, wherever you want. You put yeah. your balls. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> but, right. don't, give, a, don't give people some, <laughs> some <laughs> ideas. Eh? That is some serious... Br- you got balls if you're going to do that. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, don't listen to that. Never put Cambo on your balls. Anyway. Also, you, disclaimer, we're not doctors. Whatever we yeah, say here... Not a doctor. Just please, yeah. Yeah, I'm a creative director. Yeah. Don't listen to me, man, for medical advice. right? Yeah. But, Talk um, to your practitioner. So what we do is you burn an incense stick and you make just a tiny... Uh, you, you burn the top layer of skin, like a tiny, tiny little dot. Like this is about the size of like a full stop on a piece of paper. Right? You just do like tiny little burns and you maybe make... Depend, depends on your, your body weight. 
but usually the bigger you are, the more points you're going to need. You know, kind of like if you want to get drunk, you kind of need more alcohol to get you drunk, right? Well, most of the time, if you're a bigger, heftier, huskier human being, you kind of need more Campbell, right? So mostly it ranges from like three little dots to maybe 12 little dots, right? And depending on your your experience level as well, you kind of build up a tolerance to it over time. Now, most of the time when I do it, I'll do between five and ten. Right? It depends. Right? Okay. It depends how I'm feeling, and it depends on the freshness of the of the cambo as well. Right? If it's kind of like if it's been if you have cambo that's been sat on a sat in a you know in your in your medicine cupboard for like a year, it kind of loses a bit of its kick. Yeah. Right? If you have fresh medicine then it's a lot more potent. You don't need quite as much. But anyway, right? So once you burn the skin, you then t- you, you wet the stick and you scrape off a bit of the, like the, it's kind of like a gum, kind of like hair gel, yeah. right? And you, you scrape a little bit of it off and you just apply it to the small burn that you've just made on the skin. Once you do that, you wait for, it usually kicks in pretty quick, between five and 10 minutes. Once it kicks in, you know all about it. Like it, it's kind of like as unpleasant as Cambo is, it's probably fifteen minutes start to finish of pure hell. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's the uh, when we say pure hell, that's, pure that's, hell, that's that, like the worst. Just, just think of a really, really bad hangover and food poisoning at the same time. Right, just just try and feel what that feels like, right? Food poisoning, you've eaten chicken that was like that had blood in the middle, right? So you've got that. Oh, that sucks, right? Plus you've drank uh, uh, you've drunk two liters of the the cheap kind of Tesco's vodka the night before too, right? So you feel like I'm already I'm g- feeling these images. Yeah, you're just like, I want to end this. G- give me a shotgun and put me out of my misery, right? It sucks, right? Good thing is it doesn't last long. Uh, you have about fifteen minutes of that of that level suffering. And then you once, you purge. Yeah, and all that happens is you build up this nausea, and then once you purge, like so, or rather, I've missed one of the steps out here. Is that once you apply the medicine, you're going to wait for the nausea to like build. It builds up and it builds up, and you feel worse and worse. Then you're going to neck probably a liter to two liters of water. So you have something in your stomach to to bring up. And yeah, you just sit there with your bucket and you let it, you let the game. Let it all out. Let it out, man. And, <laughs> and it, it's quite amazing, right? That as soon as you purge, it, you feel instantly better. Like I'm talking like within 10 seconds of it coming out, you're just like, bloody hell. It's like you have shed your... Decades of bullshit out of your system, and you're now like this kind of like cleansed, restored, alive. Like it's like being reborn. You feel incredible afterwards. Wow. But in order to get there, you have to go through the. Yeah. You know, you have to go through um, quite a uh, hell. Yeah, but and personally, I'm surprised that so many people do it. Like because because of how how much of a challenge it is, and lots of people do it regularly. Like I, I don't do it that much, if I'm honest. I do it maybe once every six months. Okay. Like, like I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I have done it 
dozens and dozens dozens of times in the past but now i don't know i, I personally i find like i've had diminishing returns after a certain point so i just do it like maybe once a year twice a year when I need it, if I need a spring clean, you know, dust off the cobwebs, I'll, I'll kind of cleanse. So it cleanses your body, but also, as far as I know, it cleanses your emotional state. Yes. Yeah, so it's not purely... So if you think of your your body is more than just the, you know, the, the meat vehicle that you... It's more than this kind of avatar that you live inside, right? Your body has a soul. It has a pain body. It has an energetic body. It, you know, there are several intersecting kind of layers yeah. that 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 make up your your. You know, it has a spirit to it, right? Now, when you do cambo, you're not just getting up the physical toxins, right? Like it does that also, but you're also getting rid of karmic baggage. Yeah, right? it, it's used for uh, the, the indigenous call it what is it? Uh, I forget the name. There's a name. There's a name for it. Is like you know, like darkness, black magic, voodoo. Like you're getting yeah. the crap out. Like I mean, I'm sure John will kick my ass. I can't remember the name. The name of it, right? But, but yeah, you 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 purge. There's there's many dimensions that you're getting rid of the crap, and this is why you feel so good afterwards for days. You know, between two and four or five days after you do Campbell, man. Like you feel absolutely bulletproof. Like you just feel so good, like on top of the world. Like you sleep well. Like just everything, just things taste better. Like your 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 eyesight has improved. Hearing is has increased. It's like everything is like being turned up ten, fifteen percent. In reality, the colors are enhanced. It is it's yeah, it's amazing. But that's how like your body should function when it doesn't have toxins in it. So once you do that kind of detox and you at the roots, you're pulling up all the bullshit, right? it's like suddenly you're like, oh. but sadly, it doesn't last that long right? because immediately everyone just goes back to, all right, I'm going to drink some beer, I'm going to have some coffee, I'm going to smoke a joint, I'm going to, you know, and, and it's suddenly you're, you you're just back. revert back yeah. to where you were because you, and then before you know it, the effects wear off and you forgot you did it. But everyone, everyone kind of uh, falls into that path, right? But in a nutshell, that's what Campbell is. It's not for everyone and anyone listening to this. I, I, most people listening to this, I would say, don't do it. Right? It's it's not for everyone. It's not a spec. It's not for tourists. It's not a thing you do because you want to be wacky and say you tried frog poison. Right? It's like you're doing it to cleanse. You're doing it to get out the darkness. Unless you have those problems, you kind of don't need to. Uh, it's just uh, just go about your life. I think same with any medicine. What people do is they overdo medicine. Yeah. If the medicine has a purpose, like if you feel cold, if you're really down, use a medicine. Don't yeah. use a medicine as like, okay, I'm gonna drink some ayahuasca in the morning <laughs> because I'm feeling well. This yeah. is this is not the way to do it. I don't know. I same like as it. coffee, tobacco, chocolate. All yeah. this is medicine used for particular reasons. Yeah, and I I talk from first hand experience how. Like I'm someone with a highly addictive personality, and I I've overdone it at length with every substance known to man. I, I've taken wacky shit that's turned that that that's you know turned me inside out more than once for extended periods of time. But 
you like people are dumb. It's like how many times have you got drunk and swore you'd never drink again? Yes. He was like, yes. Eh, oh, fuck it. Well, I, I drank once a lot and then I stopped, <clears throat> thankfully, because I had such a bad hangover that it's been like five years without drinking. So. It was that bad a hangover you haven't yes. drunk in five years. Yes. Jesus. I mean, I still don't drink. So <laughs> I mean, I was I, I moved from there was some moonshine, so I, I moved to wine and beer. Then at one point, I just cut it and because it doesn't serve me. Yeah. No, good for you, man. Yeah, like yeah. if you have the, if if you have the discipline and the willpower, I mean, I I still have my vices. Like there's still certain things that I personally can't. I can live without it. I've gone months without drinking coffee and months without you know smoking or months without doing lots of things. But it's just trying to strike the right balance of like I agree. You know, exercise, meditating, rest, work family relationships it's it, like that's what life is is just trying to find some kind of harmony between all vectors of life like and it's it's a balancing act and it takes yeah the big problem is you start using vices when your life become unbalanced this is the worst thing you can do when you feel down and you start like drinking coffee you create an addiction so I'm all for it once you find a balanced life you can drink a beer or whatever for me I mean, I just know that it's better for me not to because I also have addictive personality. I'm not a drunk, but I would drink a beer, I don't know, a day, and then I feel better in the morning for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And what, what I found as well is, like, the older you get, it takes less alcohol or less substance Anything. to feel worse the next day. Yes. It's like you, you pay a steeper tax on it the older you get yes. and it's like yeah but I only had like one beer and I feel this shit oh god yes. what the hell completely completely yeah, man. well I it's uh, it's been an hour and some so um, wow. yeah so I know we can talk forever and there's a lot of topics we'll discuss <laughs> so uh, I have my notes there's like tons of notes but the story is so incredible I, I think it's it's yeah. very valuable for you to sharing uh, before we go we'll I mean, if you're open to it, let's do part two and talk about your Definitely, business dude. And, and everything else. Definitely. But uh, before we go, tell us a little bit about like Plant Cambo. If people want to try it, how can they find it and everything okay. you share? Well, if I haven't talked you out of it by now and you're still, <laughs> you're still window shopping, then just Google Planet Cambo. And Cambo is spelled with a K. It's K-A-M-B-O. It's like Rambo, but with a K. Yeah, yeah. So just Google Planet Cambo and, and have a look at our services. And like we're a UK operation. So we run ceremonies and detox events and retreats in the UK. We also run retreats overseas. So we do retreats in Spain. We're going to do a few around Bulgaria also. We've got some of those coming up. And yeah, we do pre online practitioner training as well. If you like, we have a digital online course where you can study and you can learn how to self-apply Cambo as well from your own home when we sell little kits as well. And that's, that comes with like one-to-one uh, -one Skype coaching with my business partner so he can sit with you in real time and explain to you all about Cambo and teach you and make sure you're doing it safely uh, and mentor you through the whole process. So that's something or rather if that's something you're interested in uh yeah check out planetcambo.com and yeah I'd, I'd look forward to part two man like, i could literally talk at length about it i mean we got sidetracked uh, I, I feel a bit bad because like, we only spoke no, no, about like my, yeah. my, <laughs> my like manic childhood but 
it, it sort of, it sheds it, it that kind of past explains where I'm currently at and the the bigger reason of why I founded the company right is like why I got into Cambo specifically and where I plan to take it as well over the next five or ten years it's it's all it's all connected this is this is a of uh like a chain link a domino effect of of events and chance meetings and connections and serendipitous synchronicities like there there's a lot you know there there's a there's a higher power at play here and i, I can feel it right it's, it's very it's very bizarre to kind of articulate that stuff but it is i i, I always feel like there's i'm a like a human chess piece i'm being controlled there, there is a like demigods are playing Grand Theft Auto, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I'm the avatar that's just kind of <laughs> shuffling around and doing my work, and Amazing. yeah, just uh, yeah, I'm just doing the deeds that are kind of put in front of me. So, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah. So guys, stay tuned. David, David agreed to part two, so stay tuned for part two. We'll do it uh, hopefully shortly, and then we'll we'll connect them both. And uh, right yeah. on. If you're listening, you guys know where to find us, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye bye.